Welcome, everyone. Hey, so good to have all of you at all of our churches, Bluntstown, Shipley, and Marianne. Man, I am so glad that you are here as we're continuing in our sermon series for this summer entitled First Love. But before we jump into today's conversation, we are going to celebrate how that you as a church were a blessing to our communities by the way that you were for them. So two weeks ago, we invited every one of you to give $4 to bless the work of Habitat for Humanity and Capital Community Action Agency. Now, the mission of both of these organizations is to help people find their way out of poverty, into stable housing, to a life that is sustainable. So here is how all of you at all of our churches bless your community by being generous toward these organizations. So, Bluntstown, you gave $2,875.75 to Community Action Agency, and Chipley, you gave $2,400 $2,404 to Habitat for Humanity. And Mariana, you gave $5,042.68 to Habitat for Humanity. So a total to these two organizations of $10,322.43. That is absolutely amazing. Hey, yes, thank you so much. Thank you so much because... You've heard me say this so many times, but as followers of Jesus, we should be known for, in our community, for our no-strings-attached love and generosity, because that's what Jesus was known for, right? For God so loved the world that he gave, right? And so we want to be that kind of church. So thank you so much as a church for helping us show the love of Jesus through the different expressions of being for to different organizations and um, people in our communities that are serving our communities. We can come along and just encourage them and support them in the process. Now, today, as I said, we're in the sixth part of our series entitled First Love. And this series, what we've been doing is we've been digging into the New Testament letter of Ephesians. And here's why this series of conversations this summer is so important. The church at Ephesus was a church that had an incredible beginning. In fact, if you were with us in week one of this series, we looked at Acts chapter 19, and we saw how that the power of the gospel turned this community upside down. I mean, this church became such a portrait of God's love that they turned their city, they turned their culture upside down with the good news about Jesus. In fact, as we looked at, against all odds, this church, they experienced unity in a culture that was very diverse. In fact, there was such hatred between the Jews and the Gentiles. And so the unity they experienced was unheard of in that culture because this church brought both of these groups of people together. And so at the beginning, they're doing really well. But we know that about 30 years later, the Apostle Paul, after the Apostle Paul wrote the letter to the church at Ephesus that we call Ephesians, Jesus addressed this church through the Apostle John. In fact, here's what Jesus said to the church at Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. He says, yet I, this is referring to Jesus, he says, I have this against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. You have left your first love. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. So at the beginning of the church, he's saying, at first, man, you got it right. You were driven by love to love each other. I mean, they had a love for each other that broke down the walls, the division between these two groups of people, but they got distracted. They left their first love. And because they left their first love, it led to division and disunity. And here's the thing. If that can happen to the church at Ephesus, it can happen to us if we get distracted from what matters the most. 
And that's why the question that we're answering today is so important. And the question is this, which is easier, focusing on keeping rules or cultivating meaningful relationships? Like, which is easier, following a series of concrete rules, rituals, traditions, or guidelines, or personally investing in getting to know somebody and understanding and supporting the people that are around you, especially those people that are different than you, those people that would have a different worldview with you than you or disagree with you. See, for most of us, focusing on keeping the rules, that's so much easier for us, isn't it? I mean, it's just give me the rules, tell me what I need to do, and let me check the boxes. And part of the reason for that, especially if you were brought up in church, is that one of the central elements that all religions have in common is that they are based on this, or at least require the acceptance of a particular kind of belief system. They create a belief system. And if you're sitting there going, what do you mean by a belief system? Well, a belief system is a set of principles and tenets about what is right and wrong. And because most of us see following Jesus as a belief system, what we do is we often see following Jesus as this set of rules, all these do's and don'ts, all these rights and wrongs. And that's, here's the thing, we, we think, well, if it's a belief system and it has all these rights and wrongs, then if I choose to follow Jesus, then I've got to choose to keep all these rules, all this list of what is right and wrong. I have to have my checklist. In fact, the truth is, if you grew up in church, you probably felt like that there were a lot of rules. And some of the rules that they taught you in church probably weren't even in the Bible, but the people who taught them to you made them sound like that they were in the Bible. In fact, in fact, some of you, your church experience was something maybe like this. One week you'd go to church and you'd hear, if you want God to be happy with you, then you better do this and this and this and this and this. And then the next week you go to church and you'd hear something like this. If you want God to be happy with you, then don't do this and don't do this and don't do this and don't do this. And most of us, we, we want God to be happy with us, right? We want to feel like that we're in a right standing with God. So we have that, we want God to be happy with us, but at the same time, we all tend to re resist being told what to do, don't we? Like when somebody tells us what to do, we all have a tendency to resist and even rebel. Like we don't like being forced to follow anybody's rule. We don't wanna feel like that anybody's trying to control us or restrict us in any way. And so the tension between wanting to make sure that God is happy with us and the fact that we don't want to be forced to follow anybody's rules is why some of you, you left the church and maybe are just now coming back to the church. For others of you, it's, it's why you're not even sure about this whole Christianity thing in the first place because the rules, the list, do this, don't do this, start this, stop this, get rid of this. It really makes it hard for you to understand, embrace this whole thing of what does it mean to follow Jesus? It's why some of you just continue to resist following Jesus because you think, how can following a bunch of rules, how is that gonna make my life any better? So today what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at a passage and it's in the fourth and the fifth chapters that of the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. And it is by prayer that as we look at this passage, it's gonna help you to understand what it means to follow Jesus more closely. Now, 
When we read the last part of chapter 4 of Ephesians, so if you got your Bibles, go ahead and go to Ephesians chapter 4. You can open up the app and follow along there, or you can follow along um, on the YouTube ver- U, the U version, not YouTube version, but the U version uh, there and on, your, on that app as well, um, if you don't have a Bible with you. But in this passage, the last part of Ephesians, we find one of those lists, one of those don't do, get rid of, stop doing this kind of list. In fact, if you just do a casual read of this list, you're going to feel like that there's a lot of stop doing, don't do, quit doing, get rid of kind of things. But here's the thing I want you to understand. There is a lot more going on with this passage and this list than what you just see with the casual read. So today, my prayer is that you're going to gain a new perspective of how to read a list of do's and don'ts whenever you open up scripture and you see that kind of list. So look with me at this list of do's and don'ts, stops and get rid of's in Ephesians chapter four, starting in verse 25. Here's what the apostle Paul says. He says, so stop telling lies and let us tell the neighbor, our neighbors the truth for we are all part of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. And if you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And then he continues. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. And then the list continues in chapter 5. He says, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, he says, let there be thankfulness to God, because you can be sure that no immoral impure or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolatry, worshiping the things of this world. Now, that's a lot of stop, don't, quit, get rid of. It's not for you to be a part of. I mean, it's a lot of rules to follow, a lot of boxes to check off, and a lot of you going, I can't even remember all of that. Now, here's the thing. Because there are risks like this in Scripture, and because of the way that Scripture has been taught, there are a lot of people who think, as a follower of Jesus, the most important focus that I should have is to follow all the rules. So much so that they become judgmental, condemning, and condescending toward anyone who doesn't keep the rules as well as they do. In other words, they get pretty good because they're going to church and they're learning some of these lists of do's and don'ts. They get pretty good at keeping the rules. And then they start getting judgmental toward the people who don't do as good as them. And maybe that describes you. Or maybe you know somebody like that who thinks that they're a good rule keeper and and therefore they're judgmental and condescending and, and cynical toward you because you don't do a good job of keeping the rules like they do. But the truth is, 
Jesus never introduced or promoted a rule-following approach to a relationship with him. In fact, if you read the Gospels, one of, some of the harshest words that Jesus had for people in this, when he was here on his earthly ministry were for religious leaders who were experts at following the rules. See, rule-keeping, it doesn't get you the gold star with God like some of you got in Sunday school or in vacation Bible school. See, rule-keeping, it completely misses the point of following Jesus, of being in a relationship with Jesus. Because whenever you read the account of Jesus' life that are recorded in Matthew, Mark, or Luke, or John, you don't find one instance where Jesus lays out this belief system to his disciples and says, hey, do you guys accept this belief system, this list of rules and, and these do's and don'ts? And they go, yeah. He goes, okay, follow these rules and you're good with me. You never find that. So in spite of what you might have been told or what you've been led to believe, following Jesus isn't just about performing a bunch of rules. It's not about checking a bunch of boxes saying, I didn't do this, I didn't do this, and I didn't do that. So here's the question. If following Jesus isn't about keeping a list of rules, what is it about? Well, to answer that, I want you to look with me at what the Apostle Paul says right prior to the list that we started looking at in verse 25. I want you to see what he says prior to this so you understand the context of the list that we saw in the last part of chapter 4 and chapter 5. So rewind in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4 beginning in verse 21. Notice what he says. He says, since you have heard about Jesus and learn the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sin nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Now, I think that these four verses give us probably one of the clearest pictures in scripture of what it means to follow Jesus more closely. See, the apostle Paul says, the heart of following Jesus, it's not about what you're doing, it's about what you are becoming. See, following Jesus is what we are becoming as we let the spirit of God renew our thoughts and attitudes as we intentionally put on our new nature, as we nurture our new nature. See, following Jesus is about the transformation that begins to happen in our lives as we live daily in a relationship with Jesus and we learn the truth that emanates or comes from him. See, the Apostle Paul, whenever you read his writings in the New Testament, he frequently speaks of these two natures that battle within us, the sinful nature and the new nature. The old sinful nature and then the new nature. And he says, we are born into this world with a sinful nature. Because of Adam's sin, sin, the sin nature was passed on to everyone who was born in this world. That's why you don't have to teach your children to sin. I mean, like none of your children have ever gotten to two or three years of age and you looked at them and go, okay, you're just too good. All the other kids are little sinners here. You need to learn how to sin. See, we don't have to teach our children to sin because we're born in this world with a sin nature. And because of that, we are cut off from God relationally and spiritually. 
But when we come to faith in Jesus, we are reborn spiritually and a result of that new birth of accepting and receiving God's gift of salvation and his Holy Spirit in our life, we are given this new nature. If you're following in your Bibles you take, or taking notes, out beside new nature, write these words. That new nature is Jesus' nature. It's a new nature within us that can re- reproduce God's character, his love, his fruit in our life. See, that's why in verse 21, the Apostle Paul says, since you have learned the truth that comes from Jesus or emanates from Jesus, literally he's saying, since you've learned about this amazing love that you can experience in yourself, you've learned the truth that is fruit through this new nature that is inside of you can be reproduced in you. So when the Apostle Paul says, hey, I want you to put on this new nature, he's reminding us to make sure we nurture the new nature by leaning into this wonderful new relationship that we have with Jesus. And the key word is relationship with Jesus. He's reminding us that following Jesus is this journey of daily surrendering to the Spirit's work within us, allowing him to reshape our thoughts and our attitudes. That's what it means that the Holy Spirit renews your thoughts and your attitude to move away from the old sinful way of thinking to a new way of thinking. So that our lives reflect the character and fruit of God's spirit flowing through us to others. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. Throwing off that old sinful nature and putting on and leaning into that new nature in every moment of your life, it can catch you off guard. In fact, I was driving to church this morning and um, I'm listening to worship music and praying and talking to God and, you know, getting ready for today. And a lot of you know that I think the speed limit sometimes is more a suggestion than a rule. So I'm driving in and I come off the interstate and I hit Highway 71 and I'm going a little bit over the speed limit and then... I see a police officer, a car, and I can tell because they got the bubblegum machine on the top, right? That's what we used to call as the kids, right? You got the light bar, you know what I mean? And then I got to noticing, so I'm like backing off my speed, then I got to noticing, oh, he's not from our area. <laughs> he's not from our town. Not even from our area at all. He's from a whole other town. So guess what I did? I just poured on the gas. I thought, oh, let's even take this a step further. Let's take the seatbelt off. Let's just do that, right? And let's just cruise by this guy because he's not going to stop me. And I did. And it felt so good in that moment. So good. Throw off your old sinful nature and put on your new nature. Now, get this. I'm listening to worship music the whole time. God, prepare my heart for speaking this morning. And it was all good until I pulled in the church. And I started thinking about what I'm going to be sharing with you. 
we need to throw off the old sinful nature and put on the new nature. I mean, I'm feeling really good about myself because I rebelled and got away with it. And I'll just tell you, I had to repent. Say, Jesus, I just sinned against you and I just sinned against those in authority. It was totally disrespectful. Totally disrespectful. It was unloving, unkind. And that's what Paul is saying following Jesus is. It's being aware of when we don't throw off our old sinful nature and lean in to putting on the new in nature. Because I'll tell you, all you rebellious young students out there, being a pastor is what you get for being a rebellious person. I'm just teasing. Because <laughs> my mama looked at me the last time she spanked me, probably 12 years old, and she, with tears in her eyes, she looked at me and she says, Paul Smith, I will never spank you again. And I hope you don't go to hell, and I hope you don't go to prison. But there is nothing else I can do for you. But she said, your dad will finish this when he gets home tonight. <laughs> that was a whole different deal. But I, I'm just here to tell you. I mean, I've been working on this thing. I mean, I've been a pastor for 30 years now. I've been a follower of Jesus for 40 some years. And it's like, man, throwing off this old nature, putting on the new nature. It's something that, man, you got to be very intentional about it. And I'll just tell you, the more you try to live this out, the more you're going to find yourself repenting before Jesus for little things that other people will think, well, that's ridiculous. So with that context, let's go back and reread the verses that we read earlier that start in verse 25. And let's read them through the grid of what it looks like to live letting the Spirit of God renew our thoughts and our attitudes from the old sinful nature to putting on and leaning in and nurturing the new nature. So again, verse 25. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we're all part of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. He says, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Do you feel the difference? Feel the difference of reading this list through the lens of our new nature when it looks like being lived out versus the lens of the old nature? Because the first time we read it, it was about all the do's and the don'ts. That's what we focused on. But you know, all the Apostle Paul is doing, don't miss this. All the Apostle Paul is doing in that list is contrasting what it looks like when we don't throw off the old sinful nature 
and what it looks like when we do nurture our new nature and let the Spirit of God renew our thoughts and our attitudes. So don't miss this. If you focus on thou shalt and thou shalt nots, you miss the heart of what it means to follow Jesus. You, you miss what it means to experience the transforming power of God's spirit in life. And here's the thing. If you, if you focus on that list in Ephesians chapter 4 and the first part of chapter 5, and you, you start focusing on that list, you'll become a proficient rule follower. But you will not be a close follower of Jesus. And you will not reflect the character of Jesus in your actions and your reactions. See, the truth is, if I focus on keeping the rules, then I perform. It's all about my performance. But if I focus on following Jesus, nurturing my new nature, and letting his spirit transform my attitude and my mind, I am transformed. So don't miss this. The point the Apostle Paul is making in this list is not this list is there for a list of rules that we have to keep if we're going to follow Jesus. This is not a list that we need to try to compel everybody to conform their behavior in order to perform them because this is all the do's and don'ts you should do as a follower of Jesus. No, the point of the list that we just read is what it would look like on us and through us if we're being transformed to reflect the nature and the character of Jesus through the, Holy, the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. That's the whole purpose of the list. Cast off all of these old things and nurture all of this new nature stuff. So, so what does that mean for you and what does that mean for me? Like, how do we become life-giving, transformed, look like this new nature, follower of Jesus, instead of lifeless, grumpy, judgmental, criti critical, hypocritical rule followers? Because that's what you become when you're a rule follower, is you just become this hypocritical rule follower, because you can't keep them right. And what you do is you compare yourself to everybody else that doesn't keep rules as good as you. That's so hypocritical because if we ever compare ourselves to anyone, we should compare ourselves to Jesus. And let me just be honest. I mean, I've been following, as I said, Jesus for a long time. And there are still days that I find myself being more focused on rule following than following Jesus. Having those moments like I had this morning where it's like, what can I get away with? Because that's what your mindset is when you're a rule follower, when it's about performing rules. What can I get away with? How far is too far? Is it really a sin or not a sin? And listen, when you go into that mindset, you're taking your eyes off of Jesus and it's quickly reflected through your thoughts and attitude. See, when I am focused on my performance of the do's and the don'ts, as I said, you quickly become judgmental and, and critical of other people. But following Jesus, it should keep us focused on becoming more like him and seeing, instead of seeing what I can get away with. And that's why I was so convicted when I got in my car. It's like, that's not what Jesus would do to anybody who's in authority. He would show them respect and appreciation and love. See, Jesus following him means that I am saying in every action, in every occasion, Jesus, what would you respond like? See, when I follow Jesus, 
It keeps me focused on the next step that I need to take in my becoming like Jesus rather than the step that I think somebody else should take or shouldn't have taken. See, following Jesus keeps me focused on the work that God has to do in me instead of the work that he still has to do in you. But I'm telling you, the moment that we stop following Jesus, we start immediately becoming legalistic. Check the box, check the box. And we get good at checking the boxes, then we start becoming judgmental. And then we start becoming critical. Then we start becoming cynical. In fact, you could say it this way. Following Jesus focuses me on where I am rather than where everybody else is not. So let me close our time together today by asking you two very annoying and convicting questions. In fact, if you're a follower of Jesus, you really need to think about these. Here they are. How well do you represent Jesus in your daily actions? And how well do you represent or resemble Jesus in your daily reactions? Listen, these are two questions that I often use at the end of my day to check myself to see where my focus has been. Because what I'm learning if there is not a strong representation in my actions, nor a strong resemblance in my reaction of Jesus, if I'm not acting and reacting in love, if I'm not acting and reacting in every encounter, interaction, by putting on the new nature of what Jesus would do, by living out the fruit of the spirit, which you find in Galatians 5, you can look it up sometime, which is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, then my focus has moved from following Jesus and being transformed to be like him to being focused on the rules. And let me just say, when you start focusing on the rules, like is that wrong, is it not wrong, is that a sin, is that not a sin, can I get away with it, not get caught? Then we're in the danger of doing exactly what the church at Ephesus did, losing our first love. See, we may have right behavior, we may have right beliefs, but I'm telling you, being rule-focused always distracts us from our first love, Jesus. So what do you do? Well, I want to encourage you to start a, two, a simple two-step practice every day. Two things that you can do. The first thing is this, stay aware Stay aware of the moments when God nudges you to be transformed by his spirit by putting on the new nature, by acting and reacting in love. Stay aware of those moments when Jesus is inviting you to reject that old nature, throw off that old nature and respond with his new nature. Choose to put on that new nature of love in every response over that old sinful nature. Because I'm going to tell you, because I've been practicing this stay aware thing, in the moment that I was making the decision to do that little thing, if I'm going to show this guy, I can, you know, he, I felt that nudge going, I don't think you want to do that. But, oh, it's just for fun. It ain't going to hurt nobody. And then God has this sense of humor because guess what? I'm blowing by this guy and I get to the red light and it's, there, it's red and guess who pulls up beside me? This law man. I'm like, God, you, you really have a good sense of humor, don't you? Listen, stay aware. That's how you cooperate and you give Jesus the freedom to confront you and shape your character in his likeness.
Second thing is stay aligned. Because you're not going to stay aware if you don't stay aligned. One of the primary reasons that we lose our focus on following Jesus is, and, and get distracted from our relationship with Jesus is because we don't stay aligned. I mean, think about this. How, how many times have you gone several days, several weeks, or even several months without ever spending any time with Jesus in the morning, 10, 15 minutes in the morning, 10 or 15 minutes in the evening, maybe even longer, just listening and learning from Jesus. Figure out who Jesus is and what he's like. See, there is no end to the things that can distract us from every day from sitting and learning about who Jesus is and what his character is like. So staying aligned means that even though this renewing and this transformative work is being done by the Spirit, it requires cooperation from me. It requires me stopping and saying, Jesus, what does it look like? What does it look like to be a follower of Jesus? So if the Holy Spirit is going to do his work of renewing my thoughts and my attitudes, then it makes sense that I spend time in his presence, sitting at his feet, learning and listening from him, daily spending time. It really does keep us aligned with his transformative work in our lives. And it reminds us of what is most important, that Jesus is our first love. And let me just tell you, if you're not sure how to start this practice of spending time with Jesus every day, make sure you go to an environment we create around here called Engage. And next Sunday in Engage, which is step two, we are going to be sharing with you this daily practice, how you live this out in your life, how you can make this part of your life. So just stop by the gallery on your way out and our team there would love to share with you how you can participate um, and engage next Sunday. It's only an hour of your time. There's always childcare provided. There's always food for you to snack on. So make sure you're there. So stay aware and stay aligned. It, it takes a deliberate and consistent effort to nurture our relationship with Jesus. And I'm gonna tell you something. Well, when you choose to do this path, you're going to find yourself repenting of sin more than you ever have. I tell people, I, I repent of sin all day long because you know what sin is? It's not loving other people like Jesus loves us. And how short do we fall in that? So it's not just simply enough to believe in Jesus and then let the busyness of life take over. We must actively prioritize staying aware and staying aligned with Jesus. And let me just add, don't expect immediate perfection. Don't, don't expect that. The Apostle Paul says, we have to let the Spirit renew our thoughts and our attitudes, meaning it takes time, it takes surrender, it takes repentance. It requires showing up again and again and not giving up, even when you don't get it right. It's just coming before Jesus and not beating yourself down or beating yourself up, but just saying, Jesus, I repent. I was wrong. I was a sin against you and that person. The whole idea of renewal has the idea it's an ongoing process. So the transformational work of the Spirit is progressive as we follow Jesus. Remember this, if I focus on keeping rules and I get into a performance mindset, it's about checking the list and I start comparing myself to everybody else, but if I focus on Jesus, I am transformed. And I become aware of where I am at in relationship to being like Jesus versus where you are not. And we want all of you to know what it means to follow Jesus closely and to be able to nurture that new nature. And that's what we're praying together for in this sermon series, that we'll be transformed 
and follow Jesus so closely that our church, the body of Christ, will become united and full of love and that we'll become a portrait of a desired destination for the people in our communities. And that's why each week we've been praying for each other two ways, by placing prayer requests on the prayer walls in our lobbies. That's why when you came in today, there was a blank card on your seat. Just write a prayer request there, place it on the wall, and then you can put your name, you can put your initials, you can just put alias or something, not even put your name. God knows who you are. Stick that in that prayer wall and then someone um, is gonna be praying for you, but make sure you put one and you take one because we're gonna be praying for each other. And then secondly, we have been unpacking a prayer that is based upon this whole series that we've been doing. And each week we're adding to this prayer. And by the way, many of you have kind of discovered this prayer basically serves as a review of where we've been so far in the study. So this is what we've been praying so far for each other. I'm praying for you, our church, to know God's love for you, to love each other well, so you will understand God's plan for us all, which is to equip each other. And then this week we're adding this, to follow Jesus more closely. Because I'm telling you folks, it is so easy to fall in the trap in that moment, in that occasion, where we go to, is it right? Is it wrong? Start checking the rules instead of saying, no, 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 no. This is what it would look like to follow Jesus. So let the Holy Spirit transform your thoughts and minds as you nurture your new nature. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray that this week you'll help us to stay aware Help us to stay aware in those moments when we're making a decision, when there's an interaction, when we're about to react. Help us to stay aware of your spirit nudging us and reminding us of here's what your character, what your love would look like flowing through us. And God, I pray that you even help us begin the process of staying aligned, where daily we're at least pausing sometime in the morning, the evening, to ask ourselves the question, is my action a reflection of Jesus? Do my reactions resemble what Jesus' reactions would be? And then making sure that we're spending time looking at what your character is like, what your love is like. And then checking ourselves to see if we're living out the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and meekness and self-control. And God, I pray, as you said to the church of Ephesus, when we find ourselves taking our focus off of you, our first love, help us to quickly repent and get our focus back on you so that we're loving you by loving each other well. And I thank you for the transformational work that you're gonna do in our thoughts and our attitudes, that you're gonna do in our church and in our communities as we continue to seek to follow you more closely and encourage each other in the process. Thank you that we don't have to do this on our own. And thank you that your grace is more than enough. And that's why we stand amazed in your presence, astounded by your mercy and your love when we don't get it right. So God, I thank you for how you're gonna help us this week as we work to stay aligned and stay aware. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks. Amen. 
Everyone, have a great day. Don't forget to pick up your kids. I know they're not going to want to go home, but it'll be a great experience. Have a good day.